When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Connor Report wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you want to find us on YouTube, go to Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. It would be much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by ESPN's Tim McManus, who covers the Philadelphia Eagles as we continue our tour around the NFC East. Where do the Eagles fit in, and how? what does he think of the Commanders? The Eagles had a busy offseason. I think there's definite optimism in Philadelphia. I think it's warranted, but I do think there are some key questions that could hold the Eagles back. So, I get into all of that with Tim talking about Jalen Hurts, how A.J. Brown fits in, one concern about A.J. Brown, and then how the, what he thinks of the defense. The stats were pretty good last year at the end, but what does he think of them and the improvements that they made in the offseason again? And then how does, what does he think about the commanders? Keep in mind, he knows a lot about Carson Wentz, and he went through that experience in Philadelphia. So Tim can offer us a little bit of insight into what he thinks about Wentz. You may not like all of it, folks, but it's somebody who has some insight. So you take it all in and we see where it goes. Wentz, there's a good chance that Wentz has clearly evolved or matured in his game since he was in Philadelphia and in his approach. So, and I think the guy's always worked hard. I'm not talking about the approach, but just more, you know, you evolve as you get older, you mature as you get older. Has Wentz done that to the point where what somebody saw of him in Philly might be the, a different guy than what Washington gets this year. We'll find out. There you go. You can follow Tim on Twitter at Tim underscore McManus, M-C-M-M-C, capital M-A-N-U-S. And you can read both our work on ESPN.com. Don't forget, I'm still on vacation. So again, any breaking news, you're not going to hear from me. So enjoy these podcasts and come back on Thursday when I'm going to have a special guest former Redskins tight end, Niles Paul. So let's get to Tim McManus. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. 
Blue Chew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. All right, Tim, well, you cover a team that has made quite a few moves in the offseason and is definitely going to be one that's worth watching, not just in the NFC East, but maybe in the NFC overall if a couple of things hit. So how do you assess where the Eagles are at as we get closer to training camp? I think you set that up well. I mean, they've, they've had a good offseason. And I've, I've been on the beat long enough to, to know not to judge, uh, you know, off seasons as a, an absolute predictor of the way things are going to go. I was, you know, front and center for Vince Young's dream right. team comment in, in 2011. And so I'm familiar I, you know, with those teams as well, like with the other side too, trust me. Yeah. Uh, so it comes with all of those caveats, but, but certainly on paper, when you acquire AJ Brown and now he's with Devonte Smith, right. when you get Hassan Reddick, who's got 23 and a half sacks, over the last two years when you double dip on the, the Georgia defensive players in the first and third round and the Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, uh, you get Kaiser white, uh, you get James Bradbury to, to bolster the secondary, like those kind of moves have, have gotten the city a little bit amped up about what the city, uh, what this season could bring. And, and I, it feels like even nationally, you know, there's, there's buzz surrounding this team. There's really not that many holes on offense that I can see, John, and the defense seems like it got a little bit better. So, so yeah, I think that they're in a position, um, you know, to contend certainly in this division and, uh, and maybe in the, in the conference, uh, largely depending on, you know, whether those moves shake out as anticipated and whether Jalen Hurts can elevate his game. Well, that's the big thing too offensively for me when I look at them is where is he at in his development as a passer? And is that something, can he ascend to a different level as a passer? And how important is that to this offense that he does that? Well, it's critical. I mean, that's, you know, if they want to be like legit, you know, vying for, for the NFC, then Jalen Hurts is going to, to have to rise up. And I know that the coaching staff is, is really high on him and uh, the offseason that he's had. So he went to Southern California. He worked with a couple of the quarterback gurus there. They're working a lot on his footwork and on his release. And what Nick Sirianni, their head coach, has said is that it's it's been showing up like in their in their OTAs. And a lot of this is like against air and seven on seven. So another caveat to be thrown into the mix there. But what Sirianni has seen is that his accuracy has jumped up. It, it has improved. And you, know, you you mix the better fundamentals with the fact that this is his first this is the first time that he's had consecutive years in an offensive system since high school. Wow. Uh, you know, so he's more familiar with what's going on that therefore everything's processing quicker. He's getting the ball out quicker. And so, you know, positive so far about what we're hearing out of Jalen hurts. Then of course, I mean, you know, then the games start and do those fundamentals stick and, and can he, can he uh, raise his game in, in real action? That's what we're going to be learning this year. 
Yeah, and like if that all happens, I can see them winning the division. I mean, I don't think it's that wouldn't be a big stretch if he if he can do all that because I do I you know as a leader he seems to be really good. They they have a really good run game with AJ Brown. What I wouldn't say, I and mean, the guy is a really good receiver. It, are there any concerns about durability with him? Is that a factor at all? And you know, in in when you look at this offensive roster. You know, in my mind, it is. I mean, from the outside, I always viewed A.J. Brown as like one of the better wide receivers in the league. I think that he has a skill set uh, that is conducive for this offensive system. And I think for Hurts, like if if you can get if he can trust the guy that's going over the middle and, and Hurts and, and Brown are best friends, you know, besides the fact that Brown is just a really good receiver. But, you know, Brown is somebody that, to me who can operate over the middle of the field, uh, get those extra yards, break tackles. I think that'll be great for Hertz, you know, because some he wasn't, you know, he was a little bit shy about going over the middle uh, in year one. And I, I think that that'll absolutely help him. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the fit is there. I think that Brown's an excellent player. It's just like health to me. Yeah. Is, is on my mind as we go into this year. Like, you know, why, why did the Titans, you know, trade him? Uh, one of the best wide receivers at what, 24 years old. I mean, what's that about? And, you know, and we, we have seen an injury history. So, Right. Yeah, that's that's all in my mind is going to the year on paper. Everything looks great. But, you know, health is a is a big key. And, and as we know, you know, Brown has had, you know, a couple issues o- over his short career. Right. And, um, you know, next to Devontae Smith, how how did he look this spring? I mean, I'm assuming, he, you know, I mean, the guy is a good receiver, but how did he look? Yeah, he looked good. I mean, he's they're anticipating that he continues to to point and you know, upward. And, you know, Sirianni had said that he believes that he's the number one wide receiver and now you add AJ Brown. And so they're basically viewing like they have a one and a, and a one a in Devonte Smith and AJ Brown. And it's, you have the, you know, the big physical over the middle type of receiver and AJ Brown complemented with, with Devonte Smith, who's, you know, more of like on the, you don't want to say finesse, but he's, he's the leaner frame, uh, maybe some more explosive plays, just two different type of skill sets that, that should kind of mesh well, I think. And then you got Goddard and you got Sanders to, to throw into that mix as well, which makes it like, which could be, this could be a really explosive offense if this hits. Exactly. So that's, that's what I'm saying with no holes. So wide receiver, it's, looks like it's the best it's been in years for them. Dallas Goddard has the potential to be a, a top three, t- top five tight end in, in this league. The offensive line uh, is one of the, the best in the NFL. The running back situation is, is fine from where I'm sitting with Miles Sanders in a contract year, Kenny Gainwell coming off of a, a strong rookie season. So that looks all pretty good. And, and um, yeah, and it's just a matter of whether the quarterback kind of rises up. So let's look at the defense. And one of the things that I wondered about, and now they certainly have addressed holes on defense and you can get to that. But after last season, I also wondered in the second half of the year, especially they reminded me a little bit what Washington did the year before where they looked really good, but they also faced a lot of really not so good quarterbacks to help build that. So what concerns did you, did you have concerns about the defense? Not so much how good they were, but how good were they really? And then how much was that? How much did they help themselves by getting Reddick, Bradbury, Davis, you know, Nicobe Dean? 
Yeah, I didn't think the defense was very good at all last year. Uh, and some of the stats that you look at is like the completion percentage allowed. Like they were last in, in the NFL. There was like five different quarterbacks that had completed 80 plus percent of their balls against them. It was a first year coordinator and Jonathan Gannon. People are really high around the league uh, on him. In fact, he got some head coach interviews this offseason, uh, but his first year was not great. Uh, I expect improvement from him uh, and in large part because now he's got some pieces I think that he feels more comfortable with. Anytime you get a new defense coordinator, as you know, or, or any new, like there's an overhaul in the system and now you need to bring in parts that fit that. And Gannon wants to run more of like a, a 34 base. You know, that's why Jordan Davis now comes in uh, to be sort of that, that tackle absorber, the, block absorber in the middle of the defense and also a penetrator there. Hassan Reddick can be more of like the stand-up outside linebacker that can apply pressure. Brandon Graham comes back. You know, he's he's the heart There's and soul of that loss. defense. He had a torn Achilles. So he's so he's back. And then Bradbury should complement Darius Slay pretty well. Uh, I believe that they will take a, a step up. I mean, when we're talking about holes, you know, safety, John, is, is still there. They went after a couple of the big guys in free agency and, and they swung and they missed and they didn't really address it uh, after the fact either. There's, there's still time between now and September for, the, for them to do so, but it just feels a little bit light. Uh, so that's like one area where, okay, is the secondary really where it needs to be in order for these guys to be legitimate contenders? That's something to keep an eye on. But overall, I would say that the, the defense looks like it's improved. Do you think they'd look at Landon Collins? Um, not <laughs> sure that he would be a fit. You know, I think they, they like more of like the, the versatile safeties. Um, and he, to me, he seems a little bit more one-dimensional now, right? Well, his versatility, his versatility is safety slash linebacker, not deep half, yeah. deep middle, you know, rotating back there. It's more – his versatility is more up near the line of scrimmage than it is deep, that's for sure. Yeah, I think they want to cover safety. So I would, I would say probably not on Collins, but never know. What did you see from Bradbury? Did you get enough of a look at him this spring to get – you know, to see how he'll fit in this. Cause it almost, I wonder too, to like, do he and Slay, Slay, correct me if I'm wrong, would, would you consider more of a man, better a man corner? I think he's a great corner, period. But like, whereas yeah. Bradbury seems to be just primarily zone. No, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, I think that they can do both. And, and I believe that's what drew Gannon to Bradbury is okay. the fact that he can excel in zone. And if you look at the, the Eagles, they played primarily zone coverage last year and year one under Gannon as the year went on. Part of the improvement was that they were mixing more man coverage in. And to your point, I think that that plays to Slay's strengths. Mm -hmm. uh, so the versatility for Bradbury is, is part of the appeal. And I think that you're going to see a heavier mix of, of zone and man in year two under Gannon. And the other thing that you'll, you'll see from Bradbury is somebody who challenges. And I mean, if you look like last year, he had what 17 pass breakups right. and he over his career, like he's been among the leaders in that category. And we go back to the fact that the Eagles were very soft in their coverage last year. Here's somebody that can challenge more. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the, the two primary elements, somebody who can, who can do both of what Gannon is looking for and can also come up and challenge a little bit more, get his hands on some balls. I think for those reasons, uh, he's a fit and, and should elevate their game in the back end. So how do you look in general at this team? Do you, 
you know, because again, they've gotten some, but they've created some buzz with their offseason moves. And I think like, I think those, I can see any of those top three teams winning this division. I think, you know, Dallas with Dak is he, are they still the favorites? I think the Eagles may have a higher ceiling depending on Hertz's development. How do you see it? Well, I mean, so this time of year is always when the, uh, the rose colored glasses go on. It, oh, it, yeah. The moves get made and everybody sees a roster that's full, fully healthy and, and all these things that can be accomplished. And, and really like their ceiling is fairly high. I think that if everything goes right for them, uh, primarily from a health perspective, you know, they could be in the conversation, you know, the playoffs plus um, the other side of that coin is that they're in this like almost finished this transition period on the roster where they have a lot of young players and a lot of young talent, but also some like old guards who are critical to the team. And we're talking about Brandon Graham. We're talking about Lane Johnson. We're talking about Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, right? Like they, those are like some of the core Super Bowl team guys uh, oh, geez. Still being asked to what's that? The OGs. The OGs. Exactly right. Uh, so that are still being, you know, leaned on to, to have good seasons. Uh, do they still have it? Will their bodies hold up? I think that's if we're looking on the other side of the coin, you know, that's plus maybe Hurts not taking the step where that he needs to or the things that can hold them back. And so, you know, I think that their their floor and their their ceiling are, are both at a decent spot, like. You know, we're, I think we're probably talking like eight games, uh, eight wins uh, minimum, and then you're you're probably, I guess, maxing out somewhere around what twelve, yeah, thirteen. See, and, I, and I think their ceiling is higher than what Washington has. I think the floors are maybe around the same, but I think the ceiling for the Eagles is a little bit higher. How do you look at Washington and what 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 they've done and where they're at in all this? I mean, it's hard not to think of anything but but Carson Wentz. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've got plenty of experience covering, covering him. I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. And, uh, you know, my, my thought there is, is that what that Indianapolis was like the spot, uh, for him to resurrect his career. Like there was, there was nothing that could have been better from a, a market size standpoint, uh, from the, the coaching staff, you know, he had his guy and Frank Reich and for whatever reason, you know, he was in and he was out and, and, uh, I guess it was the owner was pretty adamant about moving on from him. Um, and Washington, like respectfully is not usually the place that I think of like where you go to like find stability and resurrect your career. And, you know, uh, hit recent history shows. And so I guess I'm a little bit skeptical about, about how that's all going to go. Uh, but you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Ron Rivera. I'm a fan of the culture uh, that it seems like he tries to instill I think that they are marching in the sort of right direction, but it's hard for me to get past the quarterback. Like, I mean, I, and I know that's, that's pretty simplistic as, as the quarterback goes, so much so teams go, but you know, but it's, you know, it's about Wentz. Right. And that's where so much depends on, on that. And, you know, the funny thing is what they're hoping here is that because he's not, he's coming here to a situation where you're replacing Taylor Heineke, you're, you know, the, the lineage in the last five, six years, is really not comparable to what the lineage was with the Colts. So the owner might compare him more to Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck or even Phillip Rivers. Here, again, like if he does 27 and 7, they might build a statue to him, you know, that and I wonder, I wonder if that will be a will that help him? The other thing, Tim, I wonder too, one of the things 
that has come up is like Ron Rivera will talk about how hard he is on himself. Was that his reputation there? And how did that play out? Because can that, that can be very positive and it can also maybe, can it hold you back a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Rivera's got it. He's got it nailed. I mean, that's, that's a, a part of his downfall, honestly, in my opinion, is that, you know, I always, th- when I think of Wentz, I think of like, kind of like white uh, knuckle grip where he just tries to hold on to things too tightly. And what kind of form can that take? So um, if it, it can take form in if you are trying to, if you feel really passionate about what's going on with, um, you know, the game plan for that week. Um, maybe you're just a little bit too, like, white-knuckle gripped on that. And maybe, you know, not being uh, as, as meshed with the coaching staff as you need to be. Uh, maybe it uh, prevents you from taking that deep breath, having your guard down, just being like cool and relaxed around your teammates. Um, that kind of stuff. Like, yes, I think that that's something that he absolutely needs to work on. I think that it works to his benefit and the fact that he's so driven and he's so right. determined and he's a perfectionist. Okay, that got him to where he's at largely along with his natural gifts. The flip side of that is that if you if you go too far with that, then it, you know it can it can have negative effects. So yeah, that's that's um, I think a great point by Rivera. I think that's a, a key to understanding Wentz. You know, he's not a bad guy. He's you know people have you know these reports come out and all that stuff. And so much to me is is just about that. It's about the fact of you know maybe just being wired a little too tightly and needing to kind of uncoil um, at, and allow things to kind of flow more freely. I wonder too, if will it help? Do you think it would help him? Because, you know, when he's, when things started to go south in Philly, well, it's Jalen Hurts is there. And then the Nick Foles, how much the Nick Foles situation played in that. I wonder if here not having it's, it's him, right? Taylor Heineke is not a threat to the starting job. Can that help him? Is that enough? I don't know. I don't know if it is. Um, you know, this is his, his last chance. So how does that work psychologically for him? Mm -hmm. Is it, okay, I'm going to apply all the different things that I've learned and, and, and recognize where I've come short and, and really put that and put that as an emphasis or going back to kind of the, you know, the tight grip, you know, it's my last chance. And, you know, and and does the, you know, the wire continue to be tightly wound? And so I think it goes one of two ways. I mean, you know, history, we have to go off of right now. And it's it's that it's not going to go well, I guess, Um, you know, but he's got this shot and he's got to recognize that. And and there's a chance he's he's got ability and uh, he just needs to put put it all together. And then final last thing, how would you look how do you look at the NFC right now, which how do you, how are you looking at it? Yeah. I think we all assume the giants are fourth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably right. I I kind of feel like Dallas and Philly are, are neck and neck that the, the Eagles gained ground on them this off season. And um, so I I look at them as kind of like, I don't, I don't really have a a top between those two. I feel like it could go either way for them. And then uh, with, with Washington and then yeah, giants pulling up the rear, but maybe, a little bit more sporty this year there you go tim thanks a lot for coming on hope you have a good summer all right my friend you too 
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Tim for joining me and thank you as always for listening. And as I told you earlier, I'll be joined on Thursday by former Redskins tight end, Niles Paul. Have a happy 4th of July, everyone. And I'll talk to you next time.